So I'm a 35 millimeter roll your own film, dark room in the basement kind of photographer from way back who also worked on photo sharing in the early days, did a computer vision company, and now I work at a glasses company. So I'm very into eyes and lenses. Um, I think you should pay attention to vision because I think vision is one of the most disruptive technologies for cities and for jobs and for entrepreneurship. And I want to talk about those three facets uh, today. But to just go back a bit, why don't we have flat eyes? Well, evolution created eyes for, eyes for this guy, Mr. Planarian, about um, a half a billion years ago. Um, and the reason that they aren't flat is because photoreceptors, when sunken into the fish, can have, uh, can have directionality. He can see where the prey is or where predators are, and he can see from where they're coming. So that was the reason that photoreceptors sunk back in and formed the eyes we have today. Now, sort of to go into superlatives, the best eyes, the most visually acute eyes in the world are these guys. Um, who have basically the same eye structure as humans do, but they only weigh about 10 pounds. So they really prioritize seeing. These guys, too, prioritize night vision, even over being able to, to look in various directions. Owls, owls don't, ha um, can't, can't ha don't have eyeballs at all. They have tubes in the skull, so they have to rotate because they're so optimized, you know, by, they're so optimized for seeing at night. Now, we have an amazing visual, assist, visual acuity system, but most of us, especially as we grow a little bit older, need corrective lenses in order to focus light at the right part of our eye. The measurement of this was invented by this guy Snellen um, hundreds of years ago, 100, 100, year, 100 years ago, um, and he invented these eye charts. But there's one really important thing that you have to do if you get a vision test, and that is you have to be a precise distance back from the eye chart to measure what your visual acuity is. Now, I love these eye charts that come in lots of flavors. They come in tumbling ease. They come in symbols that, so you're, if you're pre-literate and you're a kid, you can, you can get an eye test in other languages. And if you go in the Western world to get your eyes checked, um, they give you a photoropter. But in the developing world, where Warby Parker does a, a lot of work with give a pair, buy a pair, give a pair, um, this is really a, a healthcare tragedy because so many people, billions of people, go uncorrected with vi their vision and they're driving trucks and you know, trying to learn in school and labeled as dumb because just, just because they can't see well. So we can do something about this. Um, we've tried at this uh, eyewear company where I work uh, in New York called Warby Parker. We patented a, the ability to, for a phone to know exactly how far you are, you are back from a visual reference, um, and then launched this app about a year ago called Prescription Check, where we have a network of doctors all around the, all around the US, um, and they can uh, guide you through a series of eye tests and then give you a new prescription. So it looks like this. Prescription Check is a mobile refraction service that, if you're eligible, allows an eye doctor to review your vision and provide a new prescription. The vision test takes about 20 minutes and you'll need your glasses, a credit card, an iPhone, a computer, and about 12 feet of space. The app will guide you through a series of steps to test how you're seeing through the glasses you're wearing. An eye doctor will review your results and assess whether your vision has changed since your last prescription. If it okay, you get the idea. So finally, you get a doctor-issued prescription with the same set of tests that you would otherwise go to the eye doctor for.
Now, maybe this is going away. Like, there, there are, uh, there's a lot of activity in the field. There's a company called Bionic Lens that will, uh, instead of getting a cataract surgery with a, with a nor normal lens, they will give you a lens where you can um, actuate it, and, and they promise even, like, 2010 vision. So maybe someday soon we'll be seeing, like, eagles. Now, the largest eyeball is um, one that was invented uh, by Fresnel about 200 years ago. Um, and this took a single gas lamp, and, uh, and when refracted through a set of lenses, took all of the rays that were coming out of the gas lamp um, and radially and focused them so that, so that ships could see this 20 miles away, which is sort of um, incredible as a vision technology. But let's look, up, let's look beyond lenses now at cameras and sort of what the future of cameras will bring. As you know, studio cameras sort of went from slow and big to uh, spy culture, uh, which made them small and a little bit faster. Um, and now they're the primary reason why you buy one, one cell phone over another cell phone. And these cameras are changing too because they're becoming more placeable and more wearable. And photography itself you know, is really changing as a medium because it's becoming, rather than something that you intentionally do, it's becoming something that is incidentally done for you, which is a real change in creativity and how we use, and how we use cameras. So we're taping photos to trees in order to see our predators and our prey, or light posts. We're giving ourselves third eyes, as you know. Um, and we're starting to wear cameras, like this, this uh, startup in Sweden called Narrative. I wore this uh, for about a year. Um, here are two days of mine sped up about 300 times. One is at uh, the Media Lab at MIT, and the other one is at Copenhagen um, Interaction Design Institute. What's interesting to me, I was learning a magic trick right there. So what's interesting, as you sort of scan these, a couple of things come to mind for me. One is, no one wants to see them. <laughs> Another one is, they tell you a lot more than a Fitbit might, right? They tell you whether you're indoors or outdoors. They tell you about whether the people who you're interacting with are just as depressed as you are and aren't smiling at you. So you can do a, a smile score. You can see how often you're snacking. So you can see like lots and lots of data that's embedded in, this, in these kind of wearable cameras. And then computer vision and AI are giving us something even more powerful, which is these photos that are all captured with your wearable camera or wherever have become segmentable, so you know which pixels are occupied by which stuff in the pixel, which means that just as the web made words clickable, now we have photos that can become interrogable. Is that a word? Interrogatable? Whatever. <laughs> Clickable. <laughs> so you can, uh, this is a video from uh, here in Amsterdam that uh, Tellart made and YOLO classified that show you just sort of what all of the things are that the computer can see. Um, and you know, as we have more interaction devices, whether those are wearables, on our, on our ring, as rings or on our faces, we can start to interrogate the world because all of it is segmented and classified. So, I mean, may, maybe the future of glasses is we understand what people are intuitively interested in because what, what you dwell on, whether it's a person or a new apartment, is something that you're inherently interested in. So it's sort of a visual click stream.
Now, let's think a little bit about what happens when these eyes start leaving, um, being taped to our fingers and, and, uh, and faces, and sort of what that means for jobs. Now, if you're a new parent, <laughs> You don't have any time, you, you need to sleep, so you need other eyes to watch for you and protect. Obviously, we're all intrigued with what's going to happen when we can, when cars are driving for us. Will we watch Netflix? Will we socialize more? Will we sleep more? Um, I think we're going to be playing video games in our cars, driving games in the cars. Um, <laughs> uh, these eyes will be able to haul for us. Um, I think, you know, I'm really struck by how patient these, these Internet of Eyes will be, um, much more patient than you or I will ever be. I mean, they will have a dedicated camera just to look down at your pot or whatever, and that's all they do all day is just to make sure your, your Internet of Things plant is being nurtured and fed in just the, with just the right frequency light and just the right um, uh, spritzing of... Or, of uh, aeroponics. They'll grow this fast. Uh, if, you're a, if you're a product company, you want to use these eyes because they mean more and more services for you. So instead of selling a toaster oven for 200 bucks, you can sell a $2,000 toaster oven like the June oven because it won't, it won't burn your kale or your cookies. Um, these eyes are much cheaper than choppers. Um, they can even help you create in new ways. This is a student from the Media Lab who did this magic paintbrush that samples the world. You get the idea. So they're doing other jobs for us too, hoping to keep us safer. Um, We've been working at how they can help fit you for glasses. Um, we use the iPhone 10 camera in the Warby Parker e-commerce app. We scan the profile of your face, and then in about a second, we give you frames that were designed to fit your face, and also that were sold to people who have a face like yours and not returned. So there's both a prospective looking at like how the designers might design things differently based on your face, and then also looking at the ground truth, big data, sales, sales information about what is effective uh, in the past. Um, we, can just, we can do new tasks that you couldn't imagine before. Companies like Orbital Sciences are looking at um, uh, car parking lots and, and making counts to try to uh, short sell JCPenney because no one's shopping there anymore. And notice all of these photos aren't for you. These are cameras taking pictures that, you're, that no human is ever intended to see. We strapped a camera on the inside of a trash can and called it the Amazon trash can so it could replenish itself when you threw out the yogurt or toothbrush, um, sort of like the dash buttons before the dash buttons. Uh, you know, I, I thought that Amazon was actually using RFID to train the computer vision systems. They're just using an incredible number of cameras right now, almost one camera per, per candy bar. Not for each aisle, but one camera trained on every single thing in the store so it, can, so it, so it knows what you've picked up. There's another startup out of the Media Lab called Deep Magic 
Um, and they're doing this with a, a little kiosk. They don't use that many cameras, but they're able to automatically know who's, who's taking things out of the kiosk. Um, and another one that you've seen with Google and, Deep and, their, and their Google Lens product, uh, we just did a hackathon uh, a couple weeks ago, and we're able to look at photos that people upload wearing any glasses or celebrities wearing glasses and automatically use deep learning to classify the material, the color, the shape, so that people could find similar glasses. Now, we're drifting into classifying literal things to classifying subjective things. And this is where it gets either creepy or powerful and from a jobs perspective. My last company, Ditto, was judging TripAdvisor photos for what were the best photos to characterize a restaurant or a hotel in order to, to better put in the carousel of that hotel. I mean, really doing like the job that you'd think an art director might do. What's the best photo that's going to sell this restaurant? What is, you know, is it an establishing shot of the restaurant? Is it which types of meals? Like we were building classifiers that could do that and even do that for things like romantic restaurants. If somebody types into Google romantic restaurant, then we show different photos based on what, you, what the classifier believes is romantic-ish. And, and this is sort of, does anybody have one of these um, uh, Amazon products that helps you, that gives you a style check? Anyone? It's only me in my bedroom that has one of these cameras. <laughs> um, I'll play just a, a couple seconds of this, of this video that, that uh, talks about it. Alexa, is it going to rain tonight? Alexa, what's on my calendar? Alexa, turn the lights off. Okay. Alexa helps with thousands of things, and now she can help you look your best. Alexa, take a photo. Introducing Echo Look, a first-of-its-kind Echo with a hands-free camera. Echo Look takes photos using just your voice. Okay, so this is a neural network that's sitting where you dress a camera that's sitting where you dress and uploading photos to the cloud in order to give you what kind of advice? Like the kind of advice that you'd expect to get from like a best friend or somebody who's really trained in the art. But apparently they're building a network that's not just a general classifier, but it's a classifier for what's trending in fashion and for people like you. So this is really like very delving into human territory here. Um, I don't know if you saw the announcements last week, but Amazon um, has a, announced a deep lens camera, which is dedicated hardware, which can be trained on the, in the cloud and then deployed wherever you want to deploy it without hitting the cloud again. Um, Microsoft did the same thing in, in partnership with Qualcomm. So what this means for entrepreneurs is you can't offer a horizontal solution anymore because the big clouds are all doing it. You have to get very niche and solve some verticalized problem. Okay, the last, last part of the presentation is about sort of th back to eyes and thinking about what these new um, glasses might do for us if, if, we, if we can augment or diminish vision. <clears throat> um, I love going back to Hollywood to think about what, what are those fantasies that we have for um, how helmets or ski goggles or glasses might change and be filled with information that helps you fly or whatever. Um, it's interesting with her that he could hear and, and speak to her. She could only see what he was seeing. 
So there wasn't really a reciprocal relationship there, which is probably what got them into trouble. <laughs> um, it was only one way for the, for the visual side. Now, these glasses today, you're probably saying, like, I'm not going to go wear a HoloLens or a Meta glasses. There's a huge investment and in engineers working on miniaturizing this technology all over the world. Um, and I think it's important that as an entrepreneurial community, we look at these now, this hardware now, we make certain assumptions about how it will change. We think about the ethical issues and we think about the business opportunities as well. In Kingsman, it's interesting that there's a dignified tailor um, and one of the key technologies in this fantasy uh, is real-time video conferencing. Um, although it's interesting that they don't uh, AR superimpose the suits as well as the, the, the people sitting around the bespoke table. I mean, I've, in terms of the early applications, I think it goes industrial, obviously first, sort of industrial co-presence, being able to share important knowledge with other people that are doing um, industrial critical tasks. It probably goes next into industrials and first, first responders, things that are um, not uh, price sensitive. My, my brother-in-law is a, a New York City firefighter, and he's super excited about drones and also about this helmet, which does um, edge detection. So if you're walking into a smoky building, it highlights the doorways and other, and other edges, which seems like an awesome AR app. Um, this is another um, Media Lab spin out that uh, is taking advantage of the fact that when you're outdoors and it's bright out, um, your lens uh, is like at f16 or 64, so you have infinite field of, vis field of view, field of vision, depth of vision, depth of view. Um, and so the combination of a small screen um, and, and your field of view means that basically it blends with the landscape with something that's far away. Uh, I think there are very specific opportunities for thinking about where do you want AR. It's probably not going to be an all-day wearable experience. I love peak AR because when you get to the top of the mountain, you really want to see like, what's around you, and you have this moment of wanting to interrogate the world. There's a lot of investment. That the, the numbers on the left are billions for what's going in to AR and what will, draw, and what will fuel that. Um, I really love this uh, research site called Quid that tries to map out what will be the AR use cases um, that will dominate the industry. There are many. Uh, and magically, down in Florida has raised $2.3 billion, which makes up a lot of the, um, the investment in this area, uh, to do light field displays, which have this, this characteristic of doing a mixed reality where you have occlusion as well as depth of field. So, when, when, so something can be behind, but it can also be out of focus when it's far, far away from you. So they're really trying to smoothly blend these mi mixed reality apps. Um, and I believe this, like, this is the next platform for computing. This will be the one where your kids say, um, uh, you know, I don't remember that there were phones um, when I was small. Now, we've been working with um, uh, Bose to think about how um, sound can get embedded in temples of glasses and how that might change knowing where you are and where you're looking might uh, spin up a new, a new content platform for audio based on, based on glasses. Apple's doing heavy patents in this area. Uh, the rumors are 2020 now for, 
for um, Apple to, to launch something. And I think my, my sort of last provocative, hopefully, idea for what we may want with AR is not to add more information to our field of view, but to do something called diminished reality, that is, edit away things and make the world sort of less, pollute, less visually polluted. Uh, you probably saw the Black Mirror episode of White Christmas, uh, where um, they did a person blocker, not an ad blocker, but uh, uh, if, if, if you have a, an ex that's annoying you, you can block them, and then they appear like that. Uh, and they even disappear um, from the family photos as well, which is uh, too bad. So I guess in conclusion, whether it's contacts that are doing the AR for you as Google is pushing, or glasses doing the AR. I feel like this is the next big platform that's exciting to work on. Um, when you do, I encourage my students to work on problems that are meaningful, not problems that just have the biggest business opportunity, but problems that change the world in a positive, meaningful way. And we talk about the sustainability goals. Um, and I thank you for your time and attention. Thanks.